This is episode 310 of The Real Me and Colon, a movie podcast. On this week's episode, Chase and Joel will take a look at Bad Boys for Life, the third installment in the Bad Boys franchise, as well as go over the week in movie news and movie trailers. All that and more, this episode starts right now. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Real Me and Colon, a movie podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Chase Lee, and if you were uh, searching for a movie podcast online and you happened to land on ours, you took a chance on us. First of all, we appreciate it, but if you took a chance on us, I think you'll enjoy the discussions that we have, the back and forth, the camaraderie that we share. I think you'll find it addictive, and you just won't get enough of it, and you're going to listen to all 300 plus episodes, and your parents are going to wonder... Uh, what you've been doing for, with your life. So uh, that's what's going to happen. Um, don't worry, it's, it's going to be a, a nice ride. But uh, yes, if you are new to the uh, epi- or episode and show in general, and you wanted a movie podcast to listen to, I think you hit the right spot, and we really appreciate it. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. We always appreciate you guys, as always. This is episode 310, like I said, up at the top. We will be going over Bad Boys for Life, the third installment in the franchise. And I know one of the ones that Joel was looking forward to probably of his entire lifetime. Um, And then, of course, we're going to go over some trailers that I cherry-picked throughout the week. Uh, Found the ones that I thought would be worth discussing. Joel's going to actually have his take, instead of news this week, his take on the Academy Award nominations. You guys already know my take on it, but you're going to get his on this episode. And then... Joel will have an extra review, and this is what we're going to do throughout the entire year. Anytime when Joel has an extra review, it's going to be a surprise. That way, you never know what's coming. You don't know what he saw during the week. He's just going to lay it on you, and I think that I think that's what Joel would want to do. Uh, I'm speaking for him right now because he, he's not a part of the show anymore. Um, but <laughs> I'm speaking for him right now. Um, so yes, uh, episode 310, like I said. And so before I throw it over to Joseph over there to ask him how his week was. Uh, if you guys could uh, please like this episode, uh, subscribe to the podcast feed so you can get up to dates on whenever I do mini reviews, extra episodes, or the main shows, and then um, you'll be up to date on everything. And please spread it around and let people know what's up and uh, tell them that Real Me In is the real deal. There you go. That's our tagline now. Uh, just made it up on the spot. So, uh, Joseph, uh, how is it going this week? Uh, you know, it's the middle of January. Uh, I cannot believe we're already... Halfway through the year. I mean, it's 2020 is almost gone. It's crazy how fast the year has gone. Um, no, we're still in January, but it is flying by, and I don't, I don't know what's happening. Um, I don't, I don't. I'm not a physics person. Not, not a, not a doctor of sorts. I can tell you, it's a little, go, it's going a little fast. Okay, I'm no time expert, but that's how it goes. Uh, Joel, how was your, how was your week, sir? What's, uh, what's been going on over there in the the Copeland House? Oh, just reeling from these Oscar nominations. I'm going to get into that uh, here, but yeah, there there were there were some surprises this week from that um, from those uh, from those nominations, and, and I'm going to get into that. Uh, personally, though, oh, just work catching up with stuff because of these nominations. I saw some of the um, animated shorts, um, found some online, and and watched those. Um. I wasn't able to see two of them, and I'll get into that uh, later on. But then I also saw Honeyland, finally, which is on Hulu, if anybody wants to go check it out. Um, and I guess I should announce that if I had been able to – or if I had taken the time to see that before we made our top ten, it would have made my top ten because uh, it was great. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a little documentary 
that begins as one thing and kind of turns into something else. This lady is a beekeeper um, and takes care of her bees, loves her bees, loves his work. And then before our eyes, pretty much while this thing was being made, um, these other kind of people came in and, and threatened her kind of threaten her existence, uh, at least the exist- existence of her job. And it's all about competition. Um, but it becomes something very probing and personal and, and just lovely, lovely thing. It's, uh, very much a documentary cause they're all real people, but it becomes kind of a narrative, um, and almost by accident. And it was really exciting to, to see something like that happen. One of my favorite documentaries of the decade exit through the gift shop kind of does the same thing. So it's in that vein, uh, with its, you know, with its subjects kind of twists everything on them. And, and so this is in that vein. And anyway, it's really good. Um, definitely check that out if you haven't. It was a double nominee. It was, uh, nominated for foreign language film because it was North Macedonia's, uh, submission. And it was also nominated for documentary because the documentary branch really went for it. So yeah, uh, it was very interesting. Other than that, uh, catching up with that new Amsterdam show I mentioned last week, which is just heating up really, really interesting stuff going on there. Uh, the good doctor started back up. That's the show about the autistic doctor. Um, there's a romantic subplot on that show that is currently going on. That is just really exciting. Way too real. First of all, but really exciting. Um, I'm glad to be glad to be watching that. And, uh, and shout out to Jessica Nicole, who is one of the uh, plays one of the participants of that romantic triangle um, kind of thing that's going on. Uh, who actually took the time to respond to me whenever I shouted her out on Twitter. That was really nice of her, and she's probably never going to listen to this, but there you go. Um, and then uh, let's see what else. Oh yeah, caught up with a couple more Bond movies. Uh, this week, including On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is excellent, um, and then uh, which is the only one that George Lazenby did, and they should have given him another chance because the next one, Diamonds Are Forever, is just bad. Just the first really bad one that I've seen, um, and so yeah, uh, still going through them. I'm still going to go through them, but yeah, it's gonna it's gonna have to prove itself to turn around. Um, let's see. Uh, I don't think anything else has really happened. Uh, gearing up for voting for the OFTA awards. I don't know if you're doing the same thing, but balloting for that starts on Monday. So looking forward to that balloting for, um, uh, voting for winners, which is, I think, which is a, uh, which is a big thing. The winners are announced in early February. Really excited to, to make a little statement in there. Uh, be, that'll be fun. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, what about you? Uh, I was, uh, was a pretty good week. It's last week in my twenties. Uh, hoorah! Um, there you go. Right. Uh, <laughs> very, very depressing. Um, and speaking of birthdays, uh, my homeboy, Mister Ty Craig, uh, probably didn't want me to shout his name out, but uh, that, that's that's all good. Uh, he listens to the show actually, and his birthday's today. Uh, our birthdays are two yeah. days apart, so uh, yeah. Um, Spoiler alert, um, we're, we're going to s- celebrate his birthday at a karaoke trailer park tomorrow. Um, never oh. been to it. Don't really do karaoke. It'll be my first one, and I kind of want to do 
Rage Against the Machine. Now, that's like completely out of my wheelhouse, and I'm sure it's going to surprise everyone when I'm terrible at it, but um, that's that's what I decided to go with. I don't know why well, I'm crazy, I w- but... I, I would like to announce to all of our listeners that I will personally videotape this and and release uh, pl- please do please i'm do. just <laughs> i hope jo- i hope joel shows up sneaks in and just like hey what's Video going on here he, he's just and like then... i don't i don't know how i landed up here what what's going on and then he just looks up on stage there i am and uh i'm gonna try try to attempt it um yeah <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun but uh this this episode right here is dedicated to my homeboy uh mr craig because it is his birthday today it is my birthday on sunday it's just a week in their birthdays is fantastic but uh <laughs> a yeah, good that, friend of mine from uh from high school uh, it's his birthday on monday so that's, well, there you uh, go. everybody's mon- everybody's birthdays this week that's right we're gonna dedicate to all you guys you guys are best so uh <laughs> except for me though joel doesn't really care about me uh, right. he said i don't want you to talk about it like you were not important and i was like that's Ch- fair. That's chase fair. is chase is okay i guess uh, yeah, 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 that, you know. that's fair i mean that's fair <laughs> um but yeah i'm just uh anticipating my last week in my 20s um it's very depressing to know that I will have to take a sick day or a vacation day from work just to go to the DMV and change my photo after uh, 14 years, so that will be fun. Yes, my photo on my driver's license still is when I was 16 years old. Uh, I definitely don't look like that anymore, so I should probably change it. So that was my week uh, life-wise. So Joel, Joel's like, all right, I'm watching, I'm watching Honeyland. I'm watching Good Doctor and everything. And I'm like, wow, that sounds really prestigious, like, you know, Joel's got a pretty high IQ, like, he's just a smart dude just watching smart things, right? And so you're probably thinking, like, oh, Ch- Chase did the same thing. Like, he, he obviously watched smart stuff this week. Uh, you would be mistaken, and you would probably think that I am the low IQ out of the bunch right now, because me and the missus, we watched a reality show on Netflix called The Circle, and I can't get enough of it. It is absolutely <laughs> stupid. But I can't get enough of it. So the, the premise of the show um, is actually pretty fascinating because none of the people actually meet each other. Uh, they do everything over um, messaging. And they, they live in their apartments. And the show blocked off like um, five floors, ten separate rooms. And so the people inside of them, like the way they communicate with the other players is that they – talk to the app on the television, they type out the messages, they can start private chats, group chats, whatever, and they have to kind of figure out like who's who's worth keeping around or not. The The catch is that some of them, because uh, they put up a profile, and they'll have their pictures up there, their bios and everything. Sometimes the person in the picture is not who the person is behind the TV, and so they all have to kind of like decipher uh, on who it is. I don't know. It's stupid. It's it's a reality show, but you know what? I'm a sucker for them. Uh, I have a pretty strong addiction to them, and I need to seek help, like professional help. But until then, I'm gonna keep watching them, and uh, we're almost done with this. Like we we spent five hours on Sunday. I did not move except to go to the bathroom to watch this show. Like, well, I'm telling you, reality TV stuns me, and it's all, like like someone literally tased me. And I'm just sitting there, just enjoying the like electricity go through my body, but I can't move type of deal. Um, so yeah, that's what we did this week. Didn't watch anything important. Just basically did Bad Boys for Life, and we watched The Circle. Uh, so that was my week. So wow. sorry I, I couldn't be as highbrow as Joel over there, um, but but I I tried. Um, so <laughs> yeah, watched um, watched The Circle. But you know what? If you're a fan of reality TV, I actually would suggest you to check it out. Um, it it's an interesting twist on the whole thing, considering the fact that they don't really meet each other. 
they do in uh, one particular instance, but it doesn't happen until like the end of like certain rounds. It, you know, if you like reality TV, go for it. But other than that, uh, don't listen to what I just said, and you can steer away. But what I did watch on Tuesday, which will be a great uh, segue into this uh, for Joel to introduce it, is Bad Boys for Life. And before I throw it over to Joel, I I gotta say, regardless of what you think about this movie, seeing it with a gigantic crowd was awesome. Like people were just having fun. Um, they were laughing, you know, just having a good time. And I was like, this is what I like going to the movies and watching stuff like this is just having a straight up blast, man. So yeah, that's what I did on Tuesday. So uh, Joel, I think this is a perfect time to jump into bad boys for life. Yeah. And I kind of wish that I'd seen it with a big crowd. You know, I saw it at 4 PM on a Thursday. <laughs> uh, yeah. People hadn't gotten off work yet, basically. Uh, but I did see a lot of crowds kind of, I, I don't know if it was for this or for Doolittle, but, uh, packing it in, uh, it seemed to be for this cause I didn't see any, I didn't see many kids. Uh, you'd think that you'd see a lot of kids. So kind of wish that I had, had seen it at a later showing, but I didn't have time. Uh, just kind of worked out better to, to see it, um, in the afternoon, right after work. I got off work about an hour earlier anyway. Uh, but I'm glad that you were able to, um, cause of course stuff like this really does work, um, with a big crowd like that. Uh, so yeah, bad for bad boys for life. This is the third film, um, following 1995's bad boys and 2003's unfairly maligned bad boys two, Um, and it reunites Will Smith and Martin Lawrence who once again play, uh, uh, respectively, Mike Lowry and Marcus Burnett, uh, who are a couple of detectives for uh, the Miami Police Department. Um, the plot here picks up about uh, about as much time after the last movie as it as it does in real life. Uh, they are entering the period of time where uh, both of them are or could both of them could be or are at the crossroads of of, uh, contemplating retirement. Uh, you know, they got a good 20, 25 years in the job and, uh, they're both aging. So that's kind of what's been, uh, dogging at them, especially Lawrence's Marcus, who, uh, becomes a grandfather in the opening scene of the movie. Um, and you know, just kind of, uh, facing their own sort of reckoning with the passage of time. Uh, it's hit these two as much as it's hit any character in any, uh, long belated sequel to an old classic, as you can think. Um, and, uh, because of course it has to, you know, these, these guys are not spring chickens and chickens anymore. As our friend Mark put it, uh, they're, they are aging They're You know, they're just kind of getting up there. They're just, they're contemplating certain things, regretting certain things about their past. And that's pretty much where the plot kind of kicks in. Um, the plot here has to do with Isabel, a, uh, a woman whose husband was betrayed, um, by somebody who had infiltrated his ranks and, uh, he was killed, uh, I think, or imprisoned. I, I believe killed. She was imprisoned for sure. And she has escaped and has a hit list. Uh, that includes Mike, um, for reasons that you must see the movie to discover. But, uh, she has come to Miami with her son, Armando played by Jacob CPO. Oh, and she's played by Kate Del Castillo, by the way. 
to seek vengeance for all the people who betrayed her husband, which, which also includes a judge, an attorney, uh, a, I think a forensic scientist um, at one point. And uh, that's pretty much the plot. So after an assassination attempt nearly works to kill Mike, uh, their captain, played by Joe Pantoliano, who returns to the character, hands the case over to a younger team uh, whose members are played by Paolo Nunez, Vanessa Hudgens, Alexander Ludwig, and Charles Melton, uh, known as Ammo. That is the team name, Ammo, uh, to find out who it is and what their motive is. That's the, pl- that's the plot. It's pretty simple. These movies are not all about super complicated plots. Um, they're just usually about snarling villains and big, gigantic action sequences um, of tremendous scale and scope. And that's because... The first two films were directed by Michael Bay, uh, who is known as kind of the pyrotechnician behind the camera. He likes explosions. He likes uh, staging huge, gigantic action sequences such as the uh, basically city-destroying chase scene on a highway in the last one um, in Bad Boys 2 and uh, you know various other scenes in the other two movies. Unfortunately, this is a movie that has been in developmental hell for about a decade. Uh, more than a decade, really, and uh, Bay departed from the project, even as producer, um, certainly as director, and he has been uh, replaced as director by Adil LRB and Bilal Falah, who are just credited as Adil and Bilal, uh, assuming that they that this really works out for them and they can become kind of big names that can call themselves that. <laughs> um so basically, this all hinges on all hinges on whether or not they are able to recapture the energy of the first and second films. Now, of course, the energy of the first and second films is really up and up for question. Uh, it depends on whether or not you were a fan of those movies, and certainly there are a lot of people who are not a fan, particularly of the second film, which really pushed the length of the the action to a you know a a considerable degree. It was 150 minutes, I believe, uh, which is a long time for a big action movie, especially in 2003, uh, which, you know, is kind of the first year of truly, truly epic lengths for summer blockbusters. Some other blockbusters had had done the, the long thing. But in terms of summer blockbusters, I think the audiences were more prepared for a certain kind of length, which was much, much less than two and a half hours, especially with these characters uh, you either love or hate them, and that was a long time to spend with them for people who didn't like them. <laughs> so not a lot of people got along with that movie. Richard Roper voted it as the worst film of 2003. It was certainly on Ebert's list too. And uh, yeah, a lot of people – Josh Larson of Film Spotting, I think that this was one of his few zero-star reviews of the 2000s. Uh, he doesn't give that – grayed out very often and that was one of them so if you like the other two and this one uh appeals to you just based on the trailers then obviously it's going to have to recapture that energy for you uh recapture the chemistry between smith and lawrence recapture the chemistry between marcus and mike which is a separate thing obviously when you're talking about actors and their characters uh and you know once again kind of mix this buddy cop comedy thing with a procedural, a crime drama uh, of sorts, a procedural. Uh, so 
I will get to, you know, I'll, I'll let uh, Chase have his say after I have mine as usual. But for me, I think that there is one scene in this movie that pretty much sums up the ethos of the series. And I'm wondering, Chase, if you agree with me on this. So it's about halfway through the movie. Uh, Marcus and Mike are going to see someone, um, and I believe it's an he's an accountant who is in an apartment. Um, when they find him, he's strung out on cocaine or something. But before they go in, uh, Marcus and Mike are gathering weapons in uh, Mike's car or Marcus somebody's car, uh, the vehicle that they use to to go there. And in the trunk, uh, Mike has kind of put a bunch of semi-automatic weaponry, but he also has included a grenade launcher. And at seeing a grenade launcher, Marcus says, Mike, you don't need a grenade launcher. And Mike responds, and I think that you'll agree with me, he responds in the only possible way that can make sense for these characters. He responds, yeah, but I want one. And I think that that pretty much sums up this series. Uh, it is the uh, it is unfortunately I think one of the only times in this movie where the directors re- and the screenwriters who are um, Chris Bremner, Peter Craig, and Joe Carnahan really seem to understand this series because I think that otherwise they kind of drown this in something of a soap opera plot uh, in the background that really comes to matter when it didn't really matter in the first two movies. Um, they definitely try to recreate some of the energy in the action sequences, but I think that there's something missing from the visual scope. And of course, there's no director like Bay, whether you like him or not. I think that it's impossible to deny that. Nobody would have made the Transformers movies like he made the Transformers movies. Nobody would have been able to make stuff like the rock and pain and gain like he made them. Um, Certainly nobody would have made a a two-and-a-half-hour Bad Boys sequel other than Michael Bay because he just wants to push the limits uh, for his audience. And I think that with LRB and Falah, or Adil and Bilal, sorry, uh, uh, call them what they're credited as, uh, I think that they kind of stumble in giving the movie something that has the grimy grungy aesthetic of the first and second movies, which was often very much in the style of the 90s action thrillers that we were used to, shot on film, of course, because digital hadn't really come around yet, and uh, especially the first one. The second one might have been shot on digital, but uh, certainly the first one was shot on film, gave it a grimier aesthetic, uh, a lot of the action, and uh, it's very harsh action a lot of the time, um, most of the time, in fact, all of the time probably. Uh, was given that kind of uh, grimy, gritty feel to it. Even if this was, you know, an action comedy, the first film, it was shot like a big, giant um, summer blockbuster that took on the the tone of one of those kind of 80s to 90s thrillers that had so many actors that we know, um, you know, Chuck Norris and Steven Skull and all that had the visuals had the visual look of that um, with Bay's kind of stamp of uh, 
of big explosion explosive sequences. I mean, think about the uh, the exploding uh, drug lord in the second one. <laughs> I mean, he literally explodes on a landmine after being shot, um, and that's one of the things that ended the the, the second movie. That's why I love it so much. I've, I've I've told people that I love these other two movies, and something about this just really kind of fell fell flat for me, uh, especially visually, because I think that. While there's a lot of action that's cleverly staged, it's really flatly shot. Uh, the cinematography is just kind of dull to me. Uh, it looks shiny and sleek, but uh, like I said, in a dull way that didn't really fit the other two movies. That didn't really seem to be part of their visual language. Um, I think that there's also a certain way that this movie's trying to comment on the aging of its characters that just comes across as a little ham-fisted. And I think, and I hate, I hate saying this, but I don't know if it's helped along by Martin Lawrence. Um, you know, Lawrence has been a, an actor who's really good at delivering comedy, but I feel like this movie asks a little too much of him in another mode. I don't think that he works as a dramatic actor. I don't think he's ever shown or proved that to us. And there's scenes here where he's got a, like he, he's, he gets the brunt of the dramatic stuff here, wanting to become a grandfather, deciding after that assassination attempt that he would rather bring love into the world rather than violence. That's a big part of this plot, uh, especially at the end where he has to kind of reconcile that with a, a lot of what happens. Um, and I just, I don't know if Mar if Lawrence is, uh, skilled enough to bring that across. Now, Will Smith is, and he's proven that to us. He's proven that time and time and again, he's, he's been nominated for an Academy Award for it. And he's certainly, uh, more than once, I think. And he certainly has proven it time and again, that he, that he knows what to do with a dramatic role. Um, together, they're great. Uh, they, they share their usual chemistry, uh, which is a lot of banter back and forth, maybe a little less uh, reliant on some admittedly homophobic stuff from the other movies, uh, pairing them together and you know acting basically like it's a marriage uh, between and between two men that got into some hot water in the old days. but uh, but they return to that to that feel uh, and they do step into it really well. They step back into it quite well and i was i was glad for that um i think that they're also kind of failed by their supporting cast you know joe Pant pantaliano has a lot of fun he's not in it a lot though unfortunately um and uh but like del castillo as the the villain really bland also weirdly enough not in a whole lot and jacob cpo plays her son is in it more uh, but is very wooden. Just remind reminded me of Kellen Lutz almost. Um, it had a very Kellen Lutz vibe to me, and that's not a good thing because I don't like him. And uh, then these others like Paula Nunez and Vanessa Hudgens and all of them just kind of disappear into the background. They, you know, there's some important stuff involving Rita because she's Mike's former flame, but uh, performance-wise, they don't really make any sort of an impact. I think that everybody knows that they've got to kind of disappear into the background, you know, for the purposes of letting uh, Smith and Lawrence do their thing. But on their own, they just kind of aren't very impressive. And uh, this just kind of, I think, coasts on bringing Smith and Lawrence back to plot. 
is fairly standard, especially just the surprises that are in store, which are immediately <laughs> predictable. Um, and all of that, it's just your typical plot, but it really leans into it. I think too much. So the other ones weren't so set on telling us the ins and outs and making us understand everything that was going on with the villains. I mean, you think of Peter Stormare in the second one and Chucky Cario in the first one, they were just there. Um, here it tries to connect us to them in some way. Um, in a, in a weirdly sympathetic way, and it just doesn't really work. Uh, so for me, yeah, Bad Boys for Life, kind of a disappointment. I felt like it was just coasting on Smith Lawrence being back in these roles and doesn't really do much to bring back the attitude of the other movies as well. It just felt to me like a facsimile of it. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't them bringing the gold like they did before. The, the truly funny stuff in the other two movies, uh, the characters, uh, you know, played uh, in those movies by Tay Leone and Gabrielle Union. There's nobody here that's really uh, um, uh, equivalent to that. No strong female character to help them out uh, in some way. Uh, just nobody here really, really fulfills that that gap. And I think that that's a big thing that's missing. So unfortunately, guys, I did love the other two. Uh, if you love the other two, you might. Like this one, I know that that Chase is about to get into his thoughts, which are more positive. But for me, yeah, it just didn't really work. It was a disappointment. Um, it's not awful, and it's certainly not one of the worst films of the year. I'm actually surprised that it's been getting such a good response. I'm I'm heartened by that. Maybe they can make another one, but uh, I don't know how they do that. But <laughs> you know, uh, maybe. And uh, yeah, so for me. It's kind of middle of the road. I'm giving it a C, um, but I really do hope that people like this more than I did. So, Chase, take it away, good sir. Am I wrong? Am I a terrible person here for for thinking this? You're not, um, you're not a terrible person. Um, but <laughs> okay. while you were talking, um, uh, Bad Boys 4 was greenlit. So, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because uh, they, they are on track to open to a – about I think sixty five to seventy for the weekend, okay, which well, is really outstanding. Good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so um, well, if that is the case, I am still angry that Bad Boys for Life is the third <laughs> one and not the fourth one. But hey, I digress. Right. Um, we'll just no- call this Bad Boys Three Life uh, from <laughs> Bad now on. Boys Three uh, Life. Yeah. They're like, it makes no sense. Don't worry, it's art. They'll understand <laughs> it. They'll understand the subtleties. Uh, yeah. So. Okay, so hearing uh, Joel talk about it, and I know Mark's uh, thoughts on it too, they both had the same kind of wavelength on it. So I actually, I understand where they're coming from. Um, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you that it's exactly like the first two, because it's not. And I think the reason why I liked it is because it is such a shock from the other two, and it's going in this kind of, different direction um involving their age like you said and just kind of coming to terms like their life is short you know we can't be doing these like crazy escapades anymore type of deal and i found that to be kind of refreshing um now it, this is not a a movie that's just a drama for two hours that is not the case there's still uh bombastic action um some cool choreography here and there like it's not uh you know, to Michael Bay level, but there's still action 
to where if you go in with the action mindset, I think you'll still be satisfied. But what I liked about it the most was actually the pathos involved and the the uh, writing of these characters and having these reflective moments and kind of poignant scenes of them realizing that they are getting old and that they need each other. And there's even a couple close calls that kind of put that um, theme forward a little bit more. And so I found I, I, I like that part. I, I like uh, knowing that in the first two films, they were young, they were spry, they were energetic, and they were doing almost like, you know, the Michael Bay stuff, and, like, that that was their life. And now that they're – they got grandkids now. They got to think about their future. There's just something about this one that takes more of a calmer approach. And uh, it's kind of like what you pointed out. The action scenes are not really – super big they're all kind of enclosed a little bit and that to me is just a reflection on what they're going through in their life and so I kind of just correlated it with that um but when you have us appreciate these more dramatic scenes and really making the actors go there I think what you make us do is care about the movie a little bit more because when you go into action films I'm not saying this is it 100% of the time, but for most most of the time, it's you know characters that might have um, a small little backstory, like they got a family or like they got some friends or whatever, and you know the villain is hammy, cheesy, you know um, has fun with it, and then we're just off to the races, and that's that's our adventure. But I appreciate uh, Adil and uh, Bilal really honing in why we care about these people and why we care about the adventures that they go on. And I think having, you know, the scene with Martin Lawrence in the church or the scene with Will Smith confronting Martin Lawrence in the kitchen, that to me struck more just because of the journey that we've seen them go on for the the past, uh, what is that, yeah, 25 years. So, um, I don't know. I, I just I found it to be, uh, uh, you know, just really like I said, reflective on like just their the age and where they're at in life. And I don't know, um, I, I, it's really kind of hard to describe because when you think of Bad Boys, you're like, oh my God, Michael Bay, uh, uh, controlled chaos, it's everywhere, fireworks. And it's like, no, this this is not that. Um, it's definitely got its exciting moments, but I think the uh, the character work is what I like the best. And I For the fourth one, I'm curious to know where they're going to kind of go with that. Now that they've kind of hit on the ageism, in three, how are they going to move on with four? Like, is, you know, are there going to, is there going to be higher stakes involved? Like, what's, gonna, is there going to be a turnaround for one of the characters? Who knows? But, um, I don't know. I, I'm curious to see where it goes. As far as the action goes, I think as, as closed as it is, I do appreciate the fact that it's not like fast cuts all the time. Um, we get to see some of the choreography, some of the stunts, and, uh, it's exciting to watch, uh, especially when you know like how old <laughs> Will Smith is, and like I know it's not him like doing this uh, all the time, but like just fighting these younger people, it's uh, kind of cool um, knowing that he can he can still kick butt. But I think in terms of a Bad Boys installment, I think these directors had a vision for it. It was different, but it still felt like a Bad Boys movie to me. Yes, is it not as visually loud and bombastic as Bay, absolutely. But these guys took something that has a Bay establishment in it, made it their own, 
focus more on character. That might backfire for some people. I get that. Um, and they still had some uh, cool little action scenes. Like I just, I don't know. I just thought their their direction was pretty solid. I'm not saying this is this is not like a great film. Where like I feel like if I was presented with the the three movies, this is the one I would pick. I don't know about that. I guess it just depends on what I'm in the mood for. But um, I think for their overall job in terms of vision, executing story, character, making us care about them a little bit more than most action films, they did a pretty solid job. Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, the chemistry is unmatched. Uh, I have no issue with that. I think some of the comedy falls flat. Um, feels like they're trying just a little too hard. Um, not as uh, natural or organic, kind of rolling off the tongue, because th- these two guys are comedic masterminds. They know what they're doing, but I just felt like sometimes it just did not land in that area. As far as the supporting cast goes, Joel doesn't really care for him. I'm kind of lukewarm on him. It's like they serve the story's purpose. Um, I don't think anyone like phoned it in it even and that even goes to like the villains um I, they looked like they had fun with it and at least they were committed like everyone was committed like no one um was just coasting throughout this entire movie they just they served the story they were there but we we're we're there for uh will and martin and i think uh they delivered it in spades i, I just i i like watching these two on screen even if in Joel's eyes, if it's a me- this is a mediocre installment, if I like this one, it's like I I think we can all agree that their chemistry is unmatched, and they they make this movie uh, hands down. Uh, yeah, and that's that's about it. I mean, I you know, I guess to Joel's point on the cinematography, um, I can see I can see where you're coming from, where in terms of just you know a flat presentation or just not as much depth or excitement in a scene or the way it's framed it's just pretty standard stuff um but it didn't really bother me it still captures the the sweaty you know uh vibrant colors of miami and uh just that lifestyle and i I was content with it it's not definitely not on a bay level but uh in terms of shot composition and execution of uh cinematography in this like it's serviceable there's a couple of cool things um having to do with like some of the choreography moves, but yeah, it's not anything to write home about. I think overall my experience with it, I I liked it. It, It's, it's something that caught me off guard going into it. thinking it was one thing. I got it as another thing. I'm cool with this other thing. And I'm curious to see where they go with number four. But I think if you are a bad boys fan, still check this one out. If uh, you're going into the third one, expecting the first two don't, like, please go in expecting a Bad Boys movie, but it will be something wholly different. And you might like it, you might not, but I think, um, you know, any director that wants to kind of tackle a franchise, as long as you capture the, the essence of what we're watching, then the style is just kind of like, you know, I, I think you're you have free reign to kind of not just go full buck wild to where it's like completely different, but, you know, you can add your own little flourishes here and there and have your own stamp on it, but still having the essence of what Bad Boys is. And we still got the essence of this, so I don't I don't think they uh, did a bad job converting from the first two to this one uh, with a different set of directors. So I'm going to give it a B. I, I like it. It's solid entertainment. And um, I want to see a fourth one, and we're getting it. So that's uh, awesome to hear. That's doing very well at the box office. And I can see how if you were able to um, 
uh, I guess, except the the stuff that they're doing with their aging a little more than I was, it came across as very sappy to me. I can see if you didn't find that, then yeah, obviously your your grade's going to be higher because that's the that's a major part of this. It's well, kind I, of, I think it's I think kind of becoming I, a Fast and Furious well, movie in that way. Exactly. I think I think with this discussion, I think you and I just set up the two camps that people are going to probably experience <laughs> with this movie. You're probably either going to be lukewarm to it and not really think much of it, or you're going to like it. That's why I actually think most people will land with this movie. And luckily, and luckily I feel like it's probably going to be impossible or close to it to be as, um, as kind of antagonistic toward this as, as a lot of people were to the second one, because whether, however we feel about it, it is not as R rated if you know what I mean, as the second one was. Uh, no, <laughs> there's it really a isn't. Lot I mean, yeah, of it's, it's stuff that happens in the second one. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it, it's bloody and it's mm-hmm. got it, the normal amount of cursing than right. <laughs> that R rated movie would. But yeah, if you compare it to like the first two, the first two are on steroids. This yeah. is on like Xanax or something. Like, but it's still <laughs> it's still right. yeah, it's still doing its thing though. It's just going at a different speed so. yeah and so i feel like it probably would be impossible to be truly antagonistic toward this and that's why I've, i i'm saying i definitely don't hate this movie i can i can see maybe my opinion rising a little bit uh on rewatches it's something that i could see myself watching again on a lazy day or something I, you know in the moment i didn't really like it um here's how i put it it's a pleasant watch it's maybe not a good movie um and so for me fell fell you know fell uh Fell short just a little bit, but I definitely don't like strongly dislike it. I don't have any strong feelings in either way. Uh, <laughs> in fact, so. L- listen, I would be a little worried if you and Mark both dipped it below what you just right. gave it. If that yeah. was the case, I'd be a little worried. But it, it would be weird. By. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's like impossible to hate, even if you don't like it. I feel like if you don't like it, you're probably just like me. You're probably just like. It's whatever. At the same token, I don't know if I can see anybody truly loving this. Yeah, right. Uh, I haven't really heard anyone saying like, "Oh my uh, god, this, this this is the best one in the franchise." Or, uh, yeah. This is I, I love this. Like even with the audience reaction, like people were enjoying it. But because uh, usually I, I like I hear people talk about when we walk out of these things, and Joel Joel's attended these things. He knows how it works, and I, I don't know. Like people are just like, yeah, "It's pretty good." Yeah, like <laughs> if you if you well, I should say I've heard some people say that it's the best. But it's the people who really dislike the other two uh, and thought that this was maybe not very good, but a lot better. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of the first two, I can't imagine you loving this on that level. Uh, so maybe that sounds like torture to some. It's not. It's it's a perfectly acceptable viewing experience. I'll say that. Uh, and maybe Chase thinks it a little more than that. But even at its worst, I think it's perfectly acceptable. It's not really doing anything super offensive um like some of the taboo stuff that the second one had that people didn't get along with and uh yeah so oh joel i I forgot to mention uh one thing when i was watching the movie i uh i could have sworn it was this particular actress and i don't know if you're gonna feel the same way but when the um the uh the prison chick i'll just say Mm -hmm. that when we first see her i thought it was the mom from roma I swear, I swear to you, I thought it was her oh. at first, and I was like, I was like, really? She won, she won, or not won, but she was nominated for an Oscar, and she went <laughs> to go do this. Like that's. An I interesting will tell move. you, I'm going to tell you this. I thought the same thing, and You're I'm not right. saying, and <laughs> I'm not crazy. saying that just because you brought it up. But I was like, 
Briefly, at least. Briefly. Yeah, I was just like, is that her? I was like, wait, is that Marina de Tavira? <laughs> I was like, man, she went from an well, Oscar nomination to this? That's crazy. Uh, crazier things have happened. Right. Um, the person who shot this is the person who shot... Uh, oh, gosh, somebody brought it up, and now it's going to... Now it's going to bother me. So give me one second, guys. There was somebody like really random who shot this movie. Um, and they're, the previous movie that they had done is just uh, the farthest from this that you can possibly think of. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, there's this really terrific movie from a couple years ago. If you guys haven't seen it, see it. Uh, it's called Revenge. And it was a, is the rape revenge drama oh, right, right, right. thing. Yeah, the same cinematographer. Uh, oh, okay. Did this one, a uh, guy named Robrecht Haver. Uh, probably butchered that because it's it's a unique spelling. But um, yeah. Anyway, uh, just kind of unex- un- unanticipated. So <laughs> weird things have happened. It could easily have been her. So so Joel, let me ask you one question before we move on to the trailers. Do you think? Since the fourth one is being greenlit, they're obviously they're moving forward with this before Will and Martin uh, turn the age of 105 next year. Um, do you think Adil and Bilal should come back to kind of redeem people like you that thought it was kind of mediocre? And if they do, do you think they're going to take that criticism and go back to more Michael Bay? Or do you think they're going to stick with their style if they are hired, hired on to do the fourth one? A little more freedom, um, maybe. I mean... It, it was very probable that new directors were had kind of knees to their back, uh, if you will, a little bit. Uh, I think that they should give Joe Carnahan a chance because he was the Ooh, one who was originally yeah. going to do this. Yeah, back I think he was hired on originally like 2011 or something. Um, yeah, because it was it was around the time that um, Martin Lawrence was doing Big Mamas, and I think that he even said something about Joe Carnahan being involved. Um, and then all that fell apart. But uh, it would be fun if they gave him a chance. But these are two new directors. They're people of color. They're, they're, they certainly have the resources from Sony to be able to do something a little better. I feel like just just honing their skills a little more. Um, maybe having a, scr- a stronger screenplay because this is clearly rewritten to heck. Uh, <laughs> you know, very, very committee committee written. Um, I, I know for a fact that it was three separate, like, um, uh, drafts that they worked with, you know, kind of to make it all into one. And, uh, the three people who wrote the screenplay all did separate work on it separately from each other. So there was no, there was no committee in the traditional sense, but it felt very, very processed almost, um, to me, but you, you never know. I think with a stronger script, a little bit more of a vision, they could, they could easily, uh, impress more uh we'll we'll find out we'll find out i'm certainly i'm certainly not opposed to a fourth one um i think that they've set up i think that they've set up the possibility of what they're going to do uh, with the end of this movie um and uh, I, I think you're like with me yeah. in fast and furious you don't really care how many bad boys to do it's just like even if the previous one was terrible and you're like i'm never right. gonna watch this again and they're like it's we're coming out with the fourth one you're like Dang it! Okay, yeah. fine. I'll go this, see it. This is very much the series, much more than you know, Fast and the Furious. Not to bring that up again, but just like Joel, stop yeah. crapping on my franchise. <laughs> Jeez, give it a break. 
I know. I know we're reviewing. Bad nine Boys earlier. Two is better. Th- is much much better than any Fast and the Furious. I mean, ever. I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with that. <laughs> On a technical level, you were absolutely correct. But do not talk bad about our franchise. Um, all right. Uh, uh, Fast and Furious Nine podcast uh, later this year. All right. So um, yeah. So a few trailers dropped. Very weird week for trailers. Really no consistency. It was just kind of like, let's drop this weird one. Let's drop this weird one. Let's drop this random one that uh, we knew it was coming out. But, hey, whatever. We're going to drop the first trailer in January because why not? It's Sony. And I guess that makes sense because Bad Boys and I guess they're going to play in front of it. But uh, whatever. The first one is the type of movie that makes me that makes me glad that people like Daniel Radcliffe and Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson, they, they do these big franchises as kids. They get them out of the way just so they can do smaller films or whatever the bleeping bleep they want to do because they have so much bleeping money. Um, that's exactly what Daniel Radcliffe has done with his career. He's like, listen, I've made my money from Harry Potter. I can do whatever I want. Um, I, I think the reported estimate was, I think him and, uh, uh, the other two, I think they made, it was like 10 to 12 mil per Deathly Hallows movie. And that was just those two movies. Like, don't even think about like the, the money they're going to get from the streaming and stuff in the future. It's crazy to think about. And it just makes my head hurt. But Daniel has had an interesting career post Harry Potter, um, being a farting corpse, being the devil, um, being in a couple couple of medium sized films, going back to some smaller being, stuff that being on a random TBS sitcom, TBS sitcom, <laughs> and they're like on their second installment of that. So yep. th- this guy, I don't know who his agent is, but they pick out the weirdest things, or Daniel does goes to them, and he's like, "I want to do this," and they're like, "Daniel, not again." Please, for the love of everything that's holy, not again. Well, that's the case for this one, and it looks absolutely fantastic. If you love genre films, um, this might be my, besides Swiss Army Man, because that's my favorite thing he's done post-Harry Potter so far, this might be up there if it is a good movie. So this one's called Guns Akimbo. So he, he plays a guy that relies on his newly acquired gladiator skills to save his ex-girlfriend from kidnappers. You're like, what, what What? gladiator skills are you talking about? So he lives in a world that's kind of like death race where they pit a bunch of you know thugs and criminals together on the streets. They live stream it and um, they kill each other and, you know, um, they, they get bragging rights, money. I, you know, I've... I, I, I forgot that actual part of it, but that's what it's kind of like. It's that world. And so he's kind of thrown into it. He is picked um, to be a part of the game now. And his skill is that he's got guns glued to his hands. Not glued, but like they are like uh, a part of his hands now. So he can't function with his hands. They are permanently on the guns. And throughout the entire movie, he's got his pants down. Because I think at some point in the trailer, his pants fell down. And if you got guns attached to your hands... Folks, I don't know if you know this, but you can't pull up your button up your pants. So he's just running around with his pants down, and it, it it was actually really funny. And it's got you know that kind of uh, kind of hyper violence going on. It's got that kind of kick ass mentality of like 
you know, the, the crude language and just in your face kind of, um, assault on the senses type of deal, but it, like in a, a Deadpool way. So it's like an, a, it's like an amalgamation of everything, but excuse me. He's really funny in the trailer. The action looks pretty solid. Samara weaving is in there. And after, you know, stuff like ready or not, and her blowing up from that movie and getting, you know, more, more, uh, recognized. I'm curious to see like what, and of course this was shot way before that, but, um, I, I, I still want to see anything with her in it. If you like genre films, you like that just hard R goofy stuff, kind of like crank almost, you're going to love this. Uh, so guns akimbo, uh, starring Daniel Radcliffe, um, who has had the most interesting career, post any franchise I've ever seen in my life. Him and Elijah Wood are tied, but um, yeah, uh, he, <laughs> hey man, do your thing when you have that much money. All right, the next trailer I want to talk about. Now, had... now he and Elijah Wood need to do a really crazy genre film about two people who keep getting like uh, confused with each other. <laughs> they play like then, each other. And then they try to like murder each other separately <laughs> without the other one realizing that the other one exists. And before then the, that happens. the, the puppet yeah. master behind the entire thing is Nicholas cage. I mean, it's, it's, it's a movie that writes itself folks get on it. Or, um, or it's two, it's two separate stories. And the other one stars, uh, Jessica Chastain and Bryce Dallas Howard. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just, it's just this weird, like, uh, uh, dual universe where like there's a bunch of um, doppelgangers running around and you're just like what is happening um, yes. yeah, yeah I just I love the decisions that he's making I love the decisions Elijah Wood's making I'm gonna watch one of his genre films uh, tomorrow that I got sent the, the link for the come to daddy one so that's what I'm saying like I just I look forward to these movies it's uh, it's great um, the next trailer <clears throat> excuse me uh, is a movie that I had no idea was even coming out I had no idea even existed because I thought I thought Kumail went straight from um, uh, Silicon Valley, wrapping that up, and going straight into Eternals, working out and prepping for that. But nope, I guess he, him and uh, Issa Rae, uh, they squeezed in a movie because I had no idea that this was a thing. It's called The Lovebirds, and this is about a young couple, and they are pulled into a bizarre murder mystery working to clear their names and solve the case. They need to figure out how they and their relationship can survive the night. And yes, the young couple is played by Ray and, uh, you Johnny. So, um, yeah, it, uh, it has its moments. It, a lot of people, if you look in the YouTube comment section, a lot of people are pointing out, it looks like date night. Uh, it, it kind of has that vibe. I have a feeling this is going to go more R rated. They dropped a red band trailer. So, you know, Date Night was PG-13, you know, so they're, they're able to go a little buck wild with this one, uh, if you catch my drift. But I like Kumail. I like Issa. I'm hoping Issa can redeem herself uh, after the uh, unhilarious, awful adventure of uh, Little from last year. Just not my thing. Um, and then I always like Kumail. I think I think this combined with the photograph, uh, that's going to oh, that's going right. to push. Yeah, I forgot which, about yeah. that. Yeah, but those are gonna those are gonna push little out of the out of the running. <laughs> I, I, I hope so. <laughs> Most uh, memorable thing she's done recently. Yeah, so. little little's just awful. Um, but yeah, I, I love Kumail. Um, brought a tear to my eye when Silicon Valley ended last year. Um, but he's he's always a treasure in my eyes. I think the obviously Silicon Valley was where, where the I think very first time I saw him. But when I saw like the the Big Sick, um, you know, the film that he wrote with his wife, uh, it's just. You know that that's the type of movie right there. That is the 
the stepping stone in your Kumail experience to where if you think that he's just nothing but the the funny guy, that shows that he has depth. And what I'm hoping for the Lovebirds is that it has this raunchy comedy front to it, but I'm hoping it's got a lot of heart to it like uh, The Big Sick. It's not going to be as much as The Big Sick. That's more that's more drama than comedy. Um, this is definitely going to be more comedy forward. But I'm hoping that since we know that they have depth, and I know that Issa can do it too. She's got her show on HBO as well. So I know that they can be pulled out of great performances. So I'm hoping that this one's a shocker. And it's a crowd pleaser just like The Big Sick was. Uh, it's not going to be anywhere <laughs> awards uh, awards buzzworthy as uh, Big Sick was, but I'm hoping that this just proves once again that he is a great leading man and he can do a comedy really well. He can do a drama really well, a dramedy, do it all. And then, of course, he's going to be internals and then his career is just going to skyrocket even more from that point. Um, but I'm glad he's doing more stuff like this. Uh, he's kind of getting roped into the voiceover category. As much as I like Kumail, I prefer to see him when he's delivering his comedy. Uh, when you think of stuff like Men in Black International, yes, that was a film from last year that existed. Uh, he has a voice in Doolittle. Um, and, oh man, what was the other movie I, I heard him in? Uh, he's been in a lot of kind of voiceover work type of roles, and I just I really want him to do more stuff like this uh, so people can finally see, just keep seeing that he is a, a funny individual. And this is, uh, once again, my uh, my pimping out of Silicon Valley. If you have not checked it out, please check it out. Um, Zach Woods is also on that show. One of the funniest human beings I've ever seen in my life. Um, it, uh, that in the office, the guy is just a treasure. But uh, the show has ended. Please go watch it and... Uh, so you can see how he is, and that way you can get prepared for the movie. But The Lovebirds does look promising, so I will give it that. Um, the co- Like I said, the comedy sometimes in these trailers cannot work, uh, but I think some of them got me you know, uh, kind of chuckling a little bit, and so I'm hoping they're hiding some of the good stuff for the actual movie. Okay, so the last trailer. Oh, boy. And I want to get uh, Joel's take on it. I don't know if he saw the... Morbius trailer. I did. Okay. So And and the Lovebirds trailer. Oh uh, okay. Uh well what'd you think about the Lovebirds? Oh, I think it looks pretty fun. I mean date night was a lot of fun. Um people underrate the uh uh the car chase in that movie. Uh is really, really clever and well staged. So if something can be in that vein and be a little a little edgier, like you said with the R rating, I didn't realize it was gonna be R rated. I didn't see the uh uh, the uh, the red band trailer for this, but uh, okay. but hey, if it if if it has one, obviously it's going to be R rated. So, um, I'm I'm excited. Uh, you know, it looks it looks solid. It looks funny. Yeah, um, I was uh, I was a little confused when Paramount dropped it because it just said mm-hmm. official trailer. I played it and I was like, okay, okay, and then they're dropping f bombs and they're getting pretty dark and their trailer's like, oh, all right, mm-hmm. then it's a red band. So there we um, go. Yeah, so I, I I'm hoping it's a uh, one of those like runaway hits um, that comes out. So it comes out April third. Check it out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, July I didn't th- I didn't see the Guns Akimbo trailer because I want to keep that a surprise for myself. But oh, anyway, go good ahead. for you. Oh, you're right, gonna right. love it. You're okay, you're gonna love P 
pantsless Harry Potter running around with gun hands. <laughs> it's the best. Uh, February February twenty eighth. It's a uh, it's a day and date VOD thing. It's not a it's not a theaters everywhere thing, because um, uh, you know probably didn't cost very much to make and all of that. But uh, but yeah, I'm really excited. So yeah, it's a. Uh, uh, it, oh god, I, I I'm just still, I'm still playing the trailer out of my head, and it's just uh, it's great. Uh, so this next one, um, gotta gotta get Joel's perspective on it. So Morbius, yeah, that's still a thing. Um, so this is the second film in the Spider-Man solo Sony universe without the help of uh, Disney Marvel. And they're focusing on their villains, I'm assuming, to come up with the Sinister Six towards the end of all this. Of course, the first one we got was Venom, and that grossed like $800 bajillion. And so they're like, huh, I guess people like this stuff. So let's do one on Morbius. And Morbius is about a biochemist named Michael Morbius who tries to cure himself of a rare blood disease. But he inadvertently infects himself with a form of vampirism instead. Yes, that is how is it how it is listed, vampirism. So Jared Leto is the title character. Um, Jared Harris is also in it. Uh, just to give you a little perspective, J.K. Simmons, Matt Smith. Um, another person I'm gonna skip over because that would ruin it if you don't want to watch the trailer. Tyrese Gibson. Um, yeah, I mean it's you know it's got big noticeable people in it. To be a part of like this kind of sub universe, a uh, couple things. One, uh, if you guys remember my thoughts on it, I didn't really care for Venom at all. Of course, we're going to review the sequel when it comes out this year um, because Andy Circus is directing it, and I'm morbidly curious. Um, but yeah, I just didn't really care. You're for the... Morbiously curious. Okay, go ahead. Oh, that was terrible. Um, that you were you were fired. Uh, so <laughs> morbidly curious. <laughs> I hate you. Uh, I can't even concentrate now. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, th- this is the, the second film, like I said, in this kind of, like, sub-universe. Um, like I said, the first thing was I didn't really care for Venom, so I don't really, I wasn't really looking forward to this. And the second thing is, well, actually, I'll save that towards the end because I'm a little confused as to um, what is happening. So, I actually didn't mind it. I didn't mind the trailer. Now, I'm not saying it's good or great or stands out, but I didn't mind it. And someone brought up a good point on Twitter. They're like, why does this and Venom work so hard to be set and look like it was shot in 2003? And that's a good question. Uh, I don't know what it is with Sony and these movies, but they make them look like they're 15 years too late. And... I don't know if that is a visual choice or what, but it does seem like it's completely detached from modern day, which I guess could be its its niche thing, but uh, I'm not really sure. But I didn't mind the trailer, and I do think it has promise. Uh, I prefer to see stuff like this uh, than Suicide Squad. It looks like we're getting Jared Leto back to something that we can you know, appreciate. Um like I said, it didn't blow me away, uh, but it is serviceable as one of these movies. Um, it looks exactly like Venom in terms of just scope, uh, color palette, everything. Like it's, it's kind of amazing. Like it just 
it looks like Venom, you're just replacing characters. So there's that. And the second thing I want to bring up, um, if you want to stay away from the trailer, I completely understand. There's a character that pops up at the end of the trailer that made me scratch my head and go, okay, so is this connected to the overall Disney MCU or not? Because they've been very wishy-washy about it. I realize that these are all Sony characters, and they have allowed you know Spider-Man to go over the pond a little bit, come back. They use their uh, other characters, vice versa. I get that. But having that shot in there establishes that everyone knows each other now. So is this a part of that? And so I'm just, I'm curious now, like, what's going to happen? Because uh, I know they're going to make more of these movies. They're probably going to make a... Um, Probably a Doc Ock movie at some point. They'll probably make a, a Goblin movie at some point. Um, I don't know who the actual Sinister Six is, but I'm just assuming that they're going to pick those people. And then, of course, Spider-Man will be integrated at some point. And, of course, we still have a third movie on the way. So a lot of stuff up in the air right now. But I'm going to throw it over to Joel now. Uh, and I'm sure he's going to talk about it. But uh, I'm trying to dance around the person that shows up. But it... it just raises they, up a red flag that, that makes they me... should have that they should have kept as a surprise. Exactly, um, and it, it it raises up a red flag. It makes me go, okay, is this is this a part of it or not? Like you need to establish it, folks. Uh, and I'm talking to you, Sony. So, uh, Joel, just give me everything, man. What what is up with you in this trailer? Yeah, I think what's throwing people. Well, there's also another person rumored to be in this movie. I don't even know if I want to talk about him. I'll I'll uh, I'll tell you off off. Uh, off recording um (laughs) that makes me like will if people hear it will give people the question of oh so did for instance thanos snap take place in this universe is this after that is this before that where is this because of the fact that that other character that i'm not mentioning um potentially shows up in this narrative um and of course the person that you're talking about who does show up in this trailer it's it's a strange it's a strange thing uh both for them to show us that uh, seven months before it opens um and you know why do they have to release a trailer right now i don't understand that but anyway um i'm just gonna quote i don't have any thoughts on this honestly i'm just gonna quote (laughs) yeah i mean i have more thoughts on the the appearance of that person um i do too uh I'm just going to quote somebody on Twitter uh, who said that this looks like the biggest flop of 2005. Uh, now, that See, that's a not... 2003. You, you yeah. guys gave it a two-year grace period and actually <laughs> put it in the future a little bit. Well, it's uh, somebody who I think was playing on like a, a thing that people said about Venom, which was that it looked like the biggest flop of 2003. So, of course, this is two years later. Oh, okay. So okay. okay. Two... That, makes, that makes sense. Yeah, they add two years to the thing. Um I think it looks kind of bad, honestly. Um, I just am not convinced. I mean, it's seven months away. I'm not convinced by the visual effects. I'm not convinced by Leto. I'm not convinced by anything here. Um, I I don't think that the plot is at all interesting. I don't think the concept is interesting. Sorry, folks, but I just think it looks... So, Sony, uh, Sony, are you listening? You're losing this man right now. Is there any way you can get him back on the good side again. It's just you're you're losing Joel right. over here. I don't think I don't think there is. I don't understand why at this point, uh, a couple years after a certain conversation, 
has kind of happened in the culture why they're doing this uh, because this was all conceived after that happened. Um, I don't know why Sony would be giving him a, a shot like this personally. I know that he he's won an Oscar, but some other stuff has happened uh, since then. <laughs> and is he uh, a part of a cult too? He's a he's a cult leader <laughs> literally right now. Um, right, so it's, it is kind of weird that they would pick him to lead a, a big movie. Well, like I this. think that he I think that he started that after the movie uh, was filmed, but but still. Like, why wouldn't they just scrap it and say, okay, well, we're just going to recast this with somebody else. Um, uh, but it's weird. I mean, I, I still see some of the Jared Leto method acting here because that's clearly him as thin as he is. And that's also clearly him as buff as he is. In both, in both phases, in this trailer, we see it. Uh, clearly, he did something to his body, um, you know, over the course of time and... And then, uh, and then built himself back up, or in the or in the opposite direction. I'm not sure which came first, but can you imagine yeah, if it, he actually did method act? Jared, are you drinking fruit, fruit punch over there? <laughs> oh, <laughs> sent everybody little uh, <laughs> little blood gummies or something. I don't know. Oh my uh, god! <laughs> like he did with the anal beads and whatnot. <laughs> um, Good old Suicide Squad set. It's uh, meant for the whole family. <laughs> Oh gosh. Uh I will give him credit the fact that I mean he literally looks absolutely nothing like he did as the Joker is is Jared Leto for you. Uh <laughs> just just going to say it. Just going to put it like that. Uh he's he's obviously a chameleon and he's and he's a good actor, but it just yeah, I mean the fact that he's in this and the fact that they're giving him a shot so soon after all of this has happened, you know, not great and I think that uh uh there's just there's something to be said for for scrapping it all and recasting the role with some other dude that's not as uh not as much of a problem. But anyway, the actual movie, I just I think it looks cheap. I think it looks I think it looks a lot less interesting even than Venom ended up being. Um, I'm not I'm not super uh, stoked for it. If I like it, I'll like it. I, uh, I'm never I'm not trying to like say what I think the movie will be and I'm deciding right now. But the trailer does not does not sell me at all i, I uh, am excited for when we hear the theme song and it's eminem going morbius 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 and uh <laughs> it, you know it's just it, we're like oh, eminem is that is that a redux of venom the venom theme song no it's not it's a completely new one. Oh, okay i gotcha and then when he does the venom sequel it's be a, a venom 2 venom, morbius. 2, venom 2 yeah it's, it's gonna be great yeah there we go um <laughs> I'm trying to think of what his Morbius, song. Morbius, Morbius, Morbius. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe the fact that he, I don't know if you, you heard this, but he dropped like a surprise album. Yeah, uh, yeah. Overnight, which I hope is not like some like weird, like vague hint that he's, that he's going to do that for this movie. But uh, <laughs> where, you know, just <laughs> the same week as, as a trailer for a movie that's related to another movie potentially. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, whatever. Morbius. Michael Morbius. What a great name for a character. Um, <laughs> Michael Morbius. Michael Morbius. Uh, again, it just it just looks it just looks cheap to me. But Joel, we'll you know out. what isn't cheap? Your the thoughts Oscars. on the Academy Awards, <laughs> right? See, you already beat me to it. My thoughts are... on the Academy Awards are now are now uh, good for Patreon members who subscribe for a hundred dollars. They're really expensive. No. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you need to leave the internet. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I just had to build off the uh, the fact that they're expensive. Um, 
Okay, so yeah, so the Oscar nominations dropped this week, guys. It was big. It was uh, slightly disappointing, slightly surprising. The usual Oscar day. Always exciting, clearly. Uh, it's my time of year. I mean, it's just it's great. But yeah, there's a lot to talk about. And what I'm going to do is I'm literally just going to do what what Chase did. Um, because you guys heard kind of in order of when they were announced, Chase's kind of brief thoughts. Uh, uh, well, not I guess not in order of where, when he did the, the second video, uh, the one that he – that was not the reaction but the video after that. Um, I think that I'm just going to go in the order in which they were announced. And yes, I'm going to go through every one of them fairly quickly so hopefully my voice doesn't give out and I have like a, a freaking brain aneurysm or something but okay let's go through this uh, so I'm going to begin with best supporting actress big award the nominees are Kathy Bates and Richard Jewell for some reason uh, Laura Dern in Marriage Story Scarlett Johansson in Jojo Rabbit Florence Pugh in Little Women and Margot Robbie in Bombshell so uh, obviously kind of a kind of controversial uh, all white actresses <laughs> when there were definitely some major contenders, people of color, Jennifer Lopez, Joshua Jen, who could have gotten in. Uh, but we have the category we have. And I think that the people who are kind of lucky to be here in this category are Kathy Bates and Margot Robbie. I have no idea what people are seeing in the Kathy Bates performance. I will admit I didn't see bombshell, so I can't speak to Margot Robbie, but she definitely feels like she's fourth. Uh, in in terms of likelihood, um, the Florence Pugh has a pretty good shot. She's the one I want to win. Uh, her performance is great. She turns Amy Marsh in this into this ambitious young woman who pouts with purpose. Great read of the character. So here at the top, I think that we have, interestingly enough, two actors from the same movie, but nominated for different movies. Um, Laura Dern for Marriage Story is the current front runner. Uh, but guys. I'm going to tell you all this right now. It's a shocking thing. But watch out for Scarlett Johansson to take this in a shock, in a shocking upset because we'll get to Best Actress a little later. She's nominated there too. She's in a category that's seemingly overwhelmed by another one of the nominees. This category is a little more questionable in terms of who will win laura dern is the clear front runner but she's not a complete lock and it's because johansson might come in and take it sort of like what happened in 1982 when jessica lang was nominated for both francis in lead actress but she had no competition against meryl streep in sophie's choice so she took it by proxy for francis by winning in supporting actor for tootsie uh, in which she had a much better much better chance uh, given the nominees. That could very well happen here because very rarely, and I don't know if ever, the, the Academy has nominated an actor twice in two categories and they didn't win. So watch out for Scarlett Johansson here. But Laura Dern, I think I'm still behind her on this uh, to be the one to win. So that's that's who I think that's who I think is going to take it with a big old freaking asterisk. And, Next. and can, I, can I say this real fast yeah. on uh, the Laura Dern thing? Because I, I forgot to bring this up in the um, the podcast and the reaction and everything. I know everyone's praising Laura Dern for her performance in that. Rightfully so. She deserves to be in this. However, I just want to throw it out there that Ray Liotta did just as good of a job as she did. Uh, so did Alan Alda. 
Right. They, like they're, they all they're went, all three great. Yeah. They all went toe-to-toe, especially with them two in the courtroom. And it's like, I know mm-hmm. everyone's praising Laura Dern, but, man, give Ray some love too, man. He he killed oh, yeah. it in that movie. Yeah, I mean, he's he's tearing into that dialogue. Uh, it's just like it's like it's a big, gigantic steak dinner. It's Yeah, he's he does really well. All right, so the next co- uh, category is costume design. The nominees are The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Chase predicted – I think he predicted Little Women for this, right? Yes. Um, okay, I think that that's the one that deserves the win, first of all, because I think that there's a, an interesting way that Jacqueline Duran, who is the, uh, the costume designer in this case, made the, the, this period work seem lived in, certainly – Seems like this would be the one to win. Uh, it's certainly one to watch out for. But I'm going to go in a little different direction. I think that the one that's going to win is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, and I know that you said it was between the two. But for me, I think that what uh, what distinguishes Once Upon a Time, at least for the Academy, is the fact that Ariane Phillips, uh, the costume designer on that film, works in a lot of genre uh, because of the the nature of the story. The fact that we're we're following actors and there's a lot of like, you know, think about the show that that Rick Dalton's in the multiple ones really. There's a western and a and a more modernized kind of uh, uh, at least for that period time uh, crime drama thing, and that is all really impressive. All of that is done by Phillips. All of it's going to be done again. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Quentin Tarantino is going to be shooting like a, sh- a a show that is the actual show featured in the movie. So. I suspect that he's going to bring Phyllis back in to work on that. So we'll see what happens. I think that it's going to be this one, though. Uh, this is really on, the only only a couple of chances that this has to win, and uh, I think it's going to take it. Um, and then, okay, do you have any thoughts about that? Do you think, or or it's pretty much like between the two, like you thought? You know what? I've actually changed my tune a little bit. Yeah. I think a dark horse pick. Uh, the Irishman is nominated in this, right? Yes, I think yeah. it has. A, I think it has a chance. Just okay. hearing, hearing the costume people talk because uh, Netflix released this kind of like little thirty-minute documentary, um, kind of on behind the scenes of everyone's department, everything from editing to costume to production to uh, uh, set design, everything. They they had to do so much for that movie in like several different decades and all that stuff, and it's very possible, man, that that one could. Now that I've seen. Like just the scope of what they've done, just in costuming, it's a dark horse chance. They do cover a lot of decades. You're right. That's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, they cover everything from when he's in uh, war. You know, they they got the 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 uh, 30s era war stuff. Uh, you know, uh, uniforms going on, and then through to like the 80s and stuff. Yeah, that's uh, or 70s. That is a good point. That is a good point. All right. So the next category is best sound mixing. Uh, and sound editing. I'm going to put these together. So sound mixing nominees are Ad Astra, Ford v. Ferrari, Joker, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, who do I want to win? I want Ford v. Ferrari to win. And I know that that seems weird considering this is Ad Astra's only nominee, but man, the layering in those race scenes in Ford v. Ferrari is insane. And I think that you could you could really watch out for something like that to win. I think that that's the clear uh, spoiler, but here's the thing. 1917 is the one with the Best Director nomination, and I think that there are a lot of times where the winner here, especially if it's a war movie, if it has a uh, a director nomination, it takes both of these categories. Uh, 
And uh, yeah, so then in the in the same vein, the sound editing nominees, Ford v Ferrari, Joker, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Same thing. I am still going with Ford v Ferrari is what I want to win and what could win for you know people to watch out for to win. But I still think it's going to go to 1917. Um, I think that this it's just it's the kind of movie that I think the sound branch is going to go for, especially in combination with the single take thing. I mean, it's, it's going to be hard to, to keep that going. Um, and it's, it's certainly impressive work. Um, so yeah, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping the Vroom Zoom movie goes, uh, all the way here. It's great. Uh, great work, but yeah, I think the war movie is going to win. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is a, a, a race between pun intended for Ferrari <laughs> in 1917. Now, yeah. I think you. I think you know. Like, whoa! I cried for probably uh, several hours after the nominations because Ad Astro only got one nomination, <laughs> and that was it. And it's like it has no it. chance of getting it. And now I'm sad. I mean, it's sort of like what happened with Drive, uh, yeah. which you know got that. I think it was in the same category. Uh, trying to see. No, I think it was in editing, but it was in one of the sound categories where that was the only thing it got. And you're like, no. Albert Brooks, everything else about that movie, <laughs> you know. And so, yeah, uh, it's just apparently not something they got along with super well. Kind of sad. All right, the next uh, category is Best Original Score. Uh, the nominees were Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, and Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Um, who I want to win is Alexandre Desplat for his work on Little Women. I think that that is the best work here and it's really good work across the board. I think even John Williams adds some new flourishes to the star Wars score. It's obviously also his last time that he can be nominated. So clearly they throw they threw him a bone there. Um, but I think little women has gorgeous work now who I think we should watch out for is Joker. Now uh, the reason that I don't think it's going to win, I'm going to make clear in a second, but I think that Joker is really creeping in on everyone and winning awards. So it's a woman, uh, Hilda Gudnadotar, uh, I think is how you say her name. I probably did that horrible, horribly. But um, yeah, uh, it would be obviously awesome for a woman to win this. I think the only thing working against that score is the fact that in this same category is a rousing war anthem, and that seems to me to be the most Oscar-friendly thing. So I think that 1917 will take this, but I would not be at all surprised if I'm wrong. In fact, this might be one of the closest races. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but it would be great if Displot could, could win for Little Women. Uh, and then it would have been great to see Hidden Life here, but nope. Uh, I, I totally agree with that. By the yeah. way, if there, if there was two things that I would have picked a hidden life for, uh, adapted screenplay and then uh, score, right? And and it's James Newton Howard too. They tend to like him a lot, so I would have, I would have loved for that to to happen. Um, any love for hidden life would have been great. Of course, it had none, but alas. Um, okay, so are you pretty much with me on this? It's it's a very very like close race between these two movies, 1917 and Joker. Uh. Yes, yes. Um, I, I'm kind of like with you though. I, I, you know, Little Women would be nice, um, but I, I, it, I think this is the two horse race. I think Little right. Women has the dark horse uh, component to it, but 
Um, if there's any type of momentum that we've seen from the Golden Globes, it's very possible she's going to get it, and that would be cool. So, yeah, you know, uh, it's between those two. There you go. All right, I'm just going to do the next two really quickly. I'm not even going to comment on them. I think that Best Animated Short will go to Hair Love, which is a uh, Sony Pictures Entertainment thing played in front of Angry Birds and uh, stars the voice of Issa Rae. Um, It's kind of the one with the most, you know, publicity behind it. However, watch out for one of the three movies in this category that are stop-motion efforts. Uh, And I think that the one... That they that I heard really good things about was uh, Chera, uh, otherwise known as Daughter. Um, and I've seen three of these. I've seen three of these. I've seen da- I've seen um, Hair Love. I've seen Kit Bull, which is on Disney Plus right now. It was an it was a Disney Plus original. Uh, really fantastic. That's my vote of the three I saw. And I saw Sister uh, from Si Chi Chong, um, or Si Chi Song. Sorry, uh, about a. Uh, I won't go into that, but anyway, I think I think it's going to be Hair Love uh, with a possible spoiler for, for Daughter. Uh, live Action Short, I think, is going to go for Brotherhood, which is the one that I heard has the most emotional heft uh, to it, and they usually go for that in these categories. But uh, Neighbor's Window, I heard, is a sort of uh, similar situation. Uh, I think it also has a previous Oscar nominee behind it, so could be that that wins. Uh Okay, so the next category is going to be Best Supporting Actor. And the nominees for this were Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes, Al Pacino in The Irishman, Joe Pesci in The Irishman, and Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Just, you know, okay. Uh, (laughs) Who I Want to Win has absolutely pretty much no chance. Uh, But... That is Al Pacino in The Irishman. Now, the reason I say, yeah, the reason I say he has no chance is because Brad Pitt's taking this in a walk. He's won every single every single award that I can think of. He just just does not have any chance to be beaten. The people that are lucky to be here are are literally everyone else. Uh, Now, name to name, this is an insane category. I think you can agree with me on that. Like just Tom Hanks, Anthony Hopkins, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, and Brad Pitt. Like, come on, and. so it's a really impressive list of people. Uh, there were other performances that I think should have gotten in there, but uh, you know, like uh, Tom Burke in the Souvenir is one that I've been rallying around. But of this category, I think that Al Pacino is having the most fun. Uh, you know, Pitt and Pacino are the two with the fun performances. Those people who are just really digging into into these characters. You know, in a different way, Pacino's definitely just kind of chewing scenery. Pitts being his movie star self, but uh, but yeah, I, I I do like him a lot. I just wish Pacino, man, is just so much fun. It's one of my favorite performances of the year to have watched, um, and I love it. I I think that you know if you're gonna watch out for anybody, I guess Al Pacino could come in and like shock everyone. He's the only one though. That could do it. I don't think anybody else has a chance. Um, and really, Pacino doesn't have a chance. So you're you're with me. Brad Pitt's going to win this. <laughs> I think Brad Pitt will win it, but I, Al Pacino, man, it, it might happen. Yeah. And it might be the only thing that the Irishman wins. <laughs> right. Yeah, and see, that's the thing is I think it might be coming away with no wins. Right. I, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get into that a little bit later on, but I don't think that this will take anything. 
Um, and that's kind of sad because it had it does have ten nominee nominations, a lot, <laughs> one less than Joker, which uh, led everything. But yeah, uh, all right. So documentary feature, uh, I was able to see three of these. I'm going to be seeing the fourth one um, before the show. Edge of Democracy is the only one I haven't seen. But anyway, nominees: American Factory, The Cave, The Edge of Democracy, For Sama, and Honeyland. Uh, Edge of Democracy was the big surprise. People thought it might get in, but I think that everybody was counting on Apollo 11 to get in. I heard about some kind of um, resistance to Apollo 11 because it was almost entirely, or well, is entirely uh, archival footage, which they don't really uh, respond to. They also don't respond to traditional biographical documentaries, which is why you haven't seen stuff like, uh, you know, Life Itself or. Uh, won't you be my neighbor in, neighbor in the past? Um, or if they do, they go for like one at uh, you know in every year, and it's the one that they feel strongly about. This year, they went with a lot of stuff that's a little more uh, in the moment. And uh, for Sama, obviously, gets my vote. That's that's one of my uh, favorite movies of the year. It's great stuff. It's a lot of really heavy material, but and I think it's going to win. Uh, this is the one with the biggest emotional reaction. But I'm going to say that even more than some of these other ones, I'm wondering if it's possible that in a shock, Honeyland doesn't come in and take it. Because, again, it's another – it's a double nominee, uh, sort of like Johansson and a bunch of people in uh, a bunch of the uh, tech categories. And – I have to wonder if they're going to go with what delights them because a lot of these other movies are really, 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 really serious stories. There's a lot of grave material. There's some in this, but it's mostly just the joy of watching something unfold and finding out that it's different than what you think it is. And I have to wonder if it's possible that people will go for that, uh, voters, and also because of the fact that it's in another co- uh, category. That gives it a little bit of a boost. So I have to wonder if it's possible – that Honeyland is the spoiler here, but for now I'm I'm going with Forsama. It's the one that I keep hearing about, even from voters who feel like others need to give it a ch- uh, a chance. Um, seems to be a movie that really kind of went under the radar until the Oscar season, uh, just because it was a very small release, and then PBS took it on as a frontline episode, um, and it's kind of been sitting on there. Um, but you know, it's amazing. It's probably going to win. So, uh, yeah, you haven't – you've only seen one of these. Yeah, no no so, comment. Right. Uh, <laughs> but you agree with me. Forsama is going to win. It, it sounds like from the way you talked about it, Mar talked about it, and this kind of swell of support, it seems like it's going in that direction. Right, right. All right, another, another quick one. I don't have anything to say. I haven't watched any of these yet, although four of them are available. Uh, best documentary short subject. The nominees were In the Absence, Learning to Skateboard in a War Zone if You're a Girl, Life Overtakes Me, St. Louis Superman and Walk Run Cha Cha. Uh, all but St. Louis Superman seem to be available somewhere, so I'll be seeing these pretty soon. They're also really long, uh, which is not usual. <clears throat> I think they're all over 25 minutes. Uh, I think that learning to, learning to skateboard is going to take it sort of maybe in a in a in the kind of in the same kind of voting strategy as um, for Sama, I think that probably they're going to go for the one that moves them the most. But I have been hearing a lot of really good things about Walk Run Cha Cha, um, 
so yeah, we'll see. Uh, again, I don't any, I don't really know anything. Uh, best international feature film. Uh, this one is a clear cut <laughs> situation. I've only seen three of them, but uh, and I loved all three of them, uh, the ones that I saw. So Corpus Christi from Poland, Honeyland. Uh, we mentioned it already from North Macedonia. Les Miserables from France, uh, Pain and Glory from Spain, and man, what was that fifth one, Chase? Um, was vi- it was it Virus? <laughs> oh no, it was, it was the other one. I think, or... was, I think it was the host. No, the okay. host. Oh, the Saoirse Ronan movie because she's nominated. Yes, <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah. It's actually funny because we turned that into a triple layered joke. So of course, <laughs> Parasite comedy is folks. The actual, yes, Parasite is the is the nomination. Uh, it's going to win. There's no, there's no other movie that's going to win unless they decide to go their own way with uh, pain and glory. Um, but it, they're probably not because from what I've heard of the, uh, the foreign or the international feature branch, I don't know if they're still, uh, called the foreign branch, but they love that movie, uh, the most out of everything that I've heard about. So it was literally just this and four other movies. Um, it's funny though, that bong directed parasite and also the host, um, because, hosts and parasites there's a scientific thing going on there um really really funny but anyway yeah clear clear cut it's parasite it should be parasite uh it's a great movie i did love honeyland i did love pain and glory they're both certainly worthy of being nominated for this award but parasite is amazing it's uh one of a kind it's not like anything else you've ever seen you won't ever see it again um and uh certainly not on a in the in the context of a limited series, <clears throat> uh, Mr. Adam McKay, just uh, you know, just in case you're listening to this, which you're not, it won't work. Anyway, it's Parasite. Chase thinks it's Parasite. Chase wants it to be Parasite. Let's move on. Uh- <laughs> and if it, if Parasite doesn't win, then brace yourself, folks, because that means it's going to win the big one, and that would that would be crazy. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. And 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 I should uh, make clear that. The 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 foreign branch or whatever they're called now is very 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 singular. They are extremely independent. They don't pay attention to anything else other than their own category. And then uh, you know some of them vote for best picture, but not as many as you think as you think do. So it could very well be that they go for something else. It could be. I've just heard that they love it the most. So that's that's my that's my uh uh you know. Uh, rationalization for saying that it'll win, but trust me, this is not like a best picture situation. It could easily win both. It could easily just win best picture and not this, and people will be stunned. But again, these are very different branches. They operate very differently. Um, all they do is they answer to the same people, and that's it. Um, and that's it. So, yeah, it could it could be something else, but I think it's going to be Parasite. Um, okay, production design. The nominees are The Irishman. Jojo Rabbit, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Now, Parasite was the surprise nominee to me just because I thought that Joker was going to get in here. Uh, I, I just felt like maybe something contemporary wouldn't get in, you know, and this is very contemporary, but I'm glad it's the one that I think should win. They they built the house. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but I just learned this this week. Not only did they build the house, they built the village that the poor people live in. Uh, that is a soundstage that they built um, from scratch. So you're seeing all of those buildings. That's handmade. Uh, it's insane. It's incredible, and it's and it's got to win. 
It's just got to win. Um, however, I don't think it's going to win. I think it's going to go once again to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and it's pretty much for the same like reason as as costume design. There's a lot of genre work that they're trying to fit in here, you know, even outside the context of the shows that Rick Dalton works on, and I think that that's why they're going to go for that. Uh, but they could go for 1917, which is a war movie, has a lot of really spare kind of shock, you know, like uh, really impressive kind of wartime production design that I think is very striking. It could very well be that, that people go for that. Um, we'll see, but I do want it to be parasite. Um, and chase, are you pretty much in the same boat? Yeah. Those are pretty much the two that are in the forefront. Now you and I both know that parasite deserves this. I'm I'm sorry, but like if you build all that straight up and you make it that believable, Mm-hmm. that no question in my mind I mean, it's, is it's a real it's a real functioning house it's right. a real it's crazy. You know, the, the village the village is a little less functioning obviously that was an actual rain it was a thing that was just flooding a soundstage but they built the house outside the context uh, they built it in an actual place it was outside it was not a set and it was not on a set they built it outside they they purchased a piece of land and they built a house on it and it functions as a house um and it's just incredible to me and uh, yeah, it absolutely deserves it, and I hope that they know that they know that. But we'll see what happens. All right, film editing. The nominees were Ford v Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, and Parasite. And and again, Parasite kind of surprised me, just because I thought that if anything, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or 1917 would get in, and that's actually what what I think kills both of those movies' chances in Best Picture. I think. That because of this category, we have you know we have a couple of things that are that are lucky to be here. Jojo Rabbit, probably Joker, um, but you don't have very commonly at all. It's extremely rare for a Best Picture winner to not be nominated for film editing. Ironically enough, it only happened about three or four years ago uh, with Birdman. Birdman won Best Picture, but it was not nominated for film editing because they don't really appreciate the long take thing, putting that together. Um, and so, but before that, I think you had to go like way back to the mid eighties or something like that until you found another example of a, uh, or no, no, it was, um, I looked this up. I think it was, uh, no, it wasn't gladiator. Was it, um, no, it wasn't beautiful mind. I can't remember what it was, but it was, it was in the, uh, Man, I, that's going to bother me. That's going to bother me. Um, maybe when Chase is talking at some point, I'll look this up. But uh, but yeah, very rare, uh, basically. It's only happened a handful of times where you have a Best Picture winner not nominated for Best Film Editing. That's what I think kills the chances of something like 1917 and Once Upon a Time in Best Picture. Uh, so that is the most interesting race as a result of this. Uh, this is the one that I'm going to be most excited to watch. Uh, in the show so the real contenders here um are literally any of them any of them so it could be that ford v ferrari takes it and you know it has a best picture nomination it could be jojo rabbit takes it has a best picture nomination but neither of those have best director nominations uh so i think that that puts them fourth and fifth 
The Irishman feels like it's here because it's Telma Schoonmaker uh, more than it's something that she deserves to be nominated for. Now, I'm not saying she doesn't. It's obviously great film editing, but it feels like a an accomplishment nomination to me, and it feels like it's just because it's Scorsese. So that leaves at the top Joker and Parasite. I think that those are the movies that are vying for the award. So here's where I'm going. I think that the I think that it's going to come down to those two and I think the Parasite's going to win. And I'll get into why a little later on. All right. It looks like uh the connection went out. So, um with best editing, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of torn on it because, on one hand, if you if like what Joel said, if you look at the you know the past um, ceremonies, like people uh, movies that are nominated for like editing and screenplay and stuff, um, they have, uh, you know, the better chances at winning you know best picture and you know that's just uh, kind of like what we've seen. Uh, let me call Joel back here. But yeah, the Parasite nomination for uh, that. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Am I back? Yes. Um, sorry about that. Um, no, I was just saying about the uh, the editing that I think it was a shock for all of us that Parasite was in there. And it's not a guarantee, but it gives it a better chance at best picture than it ever has now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that I was what I was trying to say before I cut out uh, was the fact that I think that uh, more than uh, recent years, it feels like whatever wins film editing wins picture because it's such a competitive field. Like this is just such a competitive field. These are all best picture nominees and two of them don't have directing nominees nominations. So I feel like those are, you know, Jojo Rabbit and Ford v. Ferrari probably on the outside chances. Uh, but you know, the Irishman felt like an accomplishment nomination to me. So it comes down to Parasite and Joker. And I think that Parasite is less divisive than Joker. I know that that's weird to say considering Parasite only has six nominations and Joker has 11, but just within the Academy, I feel like it's a little less divisive overall, especially in terms of how it's constructed. So I think that that's why Parasite's going to win. It's why it should win just for that scene or those two scenes. I mean, for the whole thing, but for those two scenes in particular that are just such breathless tension, the the um, initial prank and then the you know the shifting the sh- uh, shifting the um, uh, the scrambling to to shift priorities, you know that scene is amazing, and uh, I think that that's why it's going to win. So I think you and I are both uh, <laughs> on the same page with what should win. Do you think that Joker is going to win? Do you think that Parasite's going to win? Do you think that some of these one of these others is going to win? What you, what's going on with you? It's very possible that Joker's highest accomplishment might be only Joaquin. So yeah. it's very possible that they might give Joker this as like a consolation prize. And then mm. I think we actually might see Parasite just topple this whole thing. It's either going to be between that or 1917. And I can tell you what, it's it's going to surprise people. Like that's yeah, what's and happen. I just I just feel like you know that's why I didn't I'm not predicting uh, we'll get we'll get into it. There's right, two that right, I'm not right. predicting <clears throat> predicting for picture that you might think I am just because they have been dominating, but they weren't nominated here. And I feel like it's very rare 
for that to happen, right? Uh, and for something to win like that, but uh, but we'll see. So best cinematography, we got The Irishman, Joker, The Lighthouse, uh, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <clears throat> now The Lighthouse should win. Uh, it makes this whole crazy movie look like it's from the era of Murnau and Weed, and I love that. So it should win, but it has no chance. It's lucky to be here. Uh, <laughs> it really is. It's, it's literally only a 24 nomination period. Yeah, yeah, exactly, I hate that. <laughs> exactly, and I I hate that too. Um, I think that uh, 1917 is going to take this. It's obvious, but there is a there is a slight possibility that that they might go for Academy favorite Robert Richardson, who shot Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He definitely gives it a buoyancy uh, visually that was uh, unexpected, I think, in the context of Quentin Tarantino. Um, so. Yeah, but I, I, it's 1917. It's going to walk away with it. Uh, and you agree with me, so I'm just, I've just decided that. Uh, <laughs> no, no, you, you were right. Yeah. Uh, visual effects. Avengers Endgame, The Irishman, The Lion King, 1917, and Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Avengers Endgame is going to win this, I think. Uh, it's, I think so, too. Yeah, it's one of two. I mean, The Lion King could, if they decide, if they decide to go to the hyper-realism route, uh, but I think it's going to be Avengers Endgame kind of in the same way. I mean, not that it's going to sweep the Oscars, but I think that the visual effects branch went for the Lord of the Rings, the return of the King for a similar reason, you know, just, uh, probably because they thought it was, it was the best, but also just because it's the last, uh, it's kind of the culmination. And I think that that's, what's going to get this in. So I think it also should win. Honestly, um, I am impressed by some of the practical work in 1917, I think that the way that they made the Irishman faces uh, was really interesting. Using seven cameras uh, to capture that was pretty incredible. Um, I think the Lion King is weird, uncanny valley stuff. Star Wars, fun work, not anything we don't anticipate from Star Wars. I think Avengers, just scene to scene, what they do, what they accomplish is really impressive. Um, but I feel like Ad Astra should have been in here, uh, and, it's a, and it's a hilarious just miss. I, I, I don't understand uh, how it didn't get in, but whatever. That would have been my clear winner um, personally. So, all right, uh, and you're with me on that. So we're going to move on to best makeup and hairstyling, and the nominees were Bombshell, Joker, Judy, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, and 1917. Uh, guys, definitely watch out for Joker here uh, just because Suicide Squad did win. Um, so a movie involving the Joker. Now that had a little bit more work to some of the other characters, but nevertheless, the dark Knight was nominated. You know, they, they like movies with the Joker in it. So watch out for that. But obviously bombshell is the most transformative work here, making Charlize Theron look exactly like Megan Kelly. And it's the guy who made Gary Oldman look like Winston Churchill who did it. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's also the guy who did Jim Carrey's, uh, Grinch work. He also did, uh, and got nominated somehow for Norbit um, with uh, with Eddie Murphy doing all that stuff. He worked on The Nutty Professor, etc. Kazuhiro Suji, now just going by Kazuhiro. Um, it's, he's, he's obviously going to win. Now, I have not seen Bombshell, uh, like I mentioned earlier, so I can't really comment on that. Uh, so my pick is 1917, which I think has some really impressive kind of rudimentary war work. But, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not the biggest... Uh, authority on this uh chase do you want bombshell to win yeah i think uh i think bombshell's got this in the bag uh but joker i think is uh uh closely behind it 
Nice, nice. Okay. So, best animated feature. Uh, getting there, guys. Uh, <laughs> the nominees were How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, I Lost My Body, Klaus, Missing Link, and Toy Story 4. Uh, the big miss was Frozen 2. That was probably the most shocking uh, snub of all of them. Who cares? Because we got Missing Link in there. Right. No, I, I, I agree. It's the one that should win of the three that I've seen. I love all three of those, but Missing Link is the most fun it is an Indiana Jones flavored adventure, and I love that. Uh, and yeah, I, I I definitely want that. So, um, let's see. But I think Toy Story Four's got this, guys. I I think that it's going to be Pixar. If not, I think they could go with one of these other kind of smaller movies. I think that I Lost My Body is really well liked, so it could very well go there. Um, we'll see. I haven't seen that one yet. I haven't seen Klaus yet. Uh, I want to see both. Certainly, uh, I will be doing that before the broadcast. Um, but yeah, all right. And you want Missing Link to win? Do you agree with me though? I think it is going to win. You're going. You think Missing Link's going to win? Yeah. Really? Okay. I, I think it will have. Was it the, the Golden the Globe win that that sold it for you? I think so. I think that was okay. the one that gave me hope that there's people out there that because I thought you and I were the only ones praising it for the past seven months, and the fact mm. that it won something tells me that maybe we shouldn't sleep on this. Yeah, if it wins, everyone listening should know that across the globe, you will hear two distinctive screeches screeches from afar and those will be chases in mine you know this is um, karma right th- th- this um, is karma, karma because we chose hellboy that week and if this wins the oscar this is life going you two idiots chose the other one and not the oscar winning film this is your fault and i would be like yeah you're right oh boy all right so um uh, original song. The nominees were I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away from Toy Story 4, I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocket Man, I'm Standing With You from Breakthrough, Into the Unknown from Frozen 2, and Stand Up from Harriet. Now, I've heard all of the songs, but I have not seen two of these movies, Breakthrough and Harriet. So, I'm just kind of going with what should I what do I think should win on the basis of the songs themselves? And I honestly think the best song is I'm Gonna Love Me Again. Uh, really, really good Elton John anthem. Maybe not like a great Elton John song. It's not top tier from him. But it is really good. And uh, the lyrics are, are catchy. The music is catchy. It's it's really good. Uh, yeah, I think that I'm Standing With You and Stand Up, the two standing songs, uh, are fine. You know, the typical kind of Oscar fair, very, you know, ballads. They're ballads. They're anthems. Um I can't let you throw yourself away is fun. Uh, Into the unknown is an earworm, but it's the wrong song from that movie. I think um, it's. I think that they should have nominated "Show Yourself" personally from Frozen Two. Uh, so I think it's going to go to "I'm Love." I'm going to love me again. It's the one that keeps winning. We'll see. We'll see. It would be weird though if the Frozen song didn't win. So I'm going to say that that's the one that we should watch out for. Um, again, I can't really comment on the context of the Breakthrough and Harriet songs, but, uh, we'll see. All right. What about you? Did you have any preference here? Did you even, have you even like consciously listened to these? Uh, no, but 
if there is any justice in the world, this will be the only win. And <laughs> for Rocket Man, yes. <laughs> right. uh, and I, I do think that Ellen John is loved by pretty much everybody. Yeah. So I think this yeah. has and like that's, the best shot. Yeah, and it's his first nomination in like twenty five years or something. So certainly, certainly it could it could get in for that. He should have been nominated for something in um, the Road to El Dorado, which is a great soundtrack. But he wasn't. He was he was last nominated in the '90s, which is probably surprising for some people. Uh, but yeah, all right. We're getting into some of the big ones now. We're getting into our final our final stretch. We got adapted screenplay, and uh, the nominees here were The Irishman, based on the book I Heard You Paint Houses by Charles Brandt, Jojo Rabbit, based on the novel Caging Skies by Christine Lunens, Joker, based on the characters created by Bill Finger, Bob Kane, and Jerry Robinson. Uh, Little Women, based on the novel by Louisa May Alcott, and The Two Popes, based on the play The Pope from screenwriter Anthony McCartan. Uh, I think that what's going to win here is Jojo Rabbit. I think that it's the one that has the best shot. It's the one that's uh, the most well-liked among the Academy of these movies, ironically enough. That gives it a pretty good shot in Best Picture. I'll get to that later on. But uh, but honestly, it could be, it could come down between this and Little Women, which is also really well liked and a critical darling. Uh, I feel like it's unlikely to be Joker. Um, I feel like that's probably the the weakest link here in terms of the likelihood of winning. But yeah, they they really should have put a beautiful day in the neighborhood in this category. I I personally think instead of that one, just because it's a great uh, screenplay that or reworks. Or a hidden life, absolutely. I mean, re- reworking letters into a narrative—it's eh, pretty amazing. So, uh, yeah, but I think that I think that it's Jojo Rabbit with the pro. Uh, this is sort of like best score for me, where I would not be at all surprised if the thing that I think is kind of the the second pick is the one that wins. It could very well be that it goes to Greta, and it should. Because she deserved it. It's the best screenplay of this group, I think. But also because, surprisingly enough and embarrassingly enough, there have been no no women who have won any screenplay uh, awards this decade. And it would be the first time if she, if, uh, she and Christy Wilson-Karens in, um, in original screenplay lose, it would be the first time since the 60s that an entire decade went without, a women, without, without women winning this, uh, one of these awards. And that would be... Kind of amazing to me. Um, we'll see what happens. So, I think it's Jojo Rabbit. Do you think it's Jojo Rabbit, or are you gonna are you gonna say Little Women wins? If Scarlett Johansson gets supporting actress, Little Women's got this. Okay. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. I, I don't think they give Jojo two big ones like that, and I think they would. Right. They would give it uh, to Greta in this that yeah. situation. And they're probably going to be announcing supporting actress first, so I think we'll know. Right. Uh, or supporting actor, never know. But okay, um, so that's an interesting thought. Then I didn't think about that. Um, that is very interesting, huh? Chase stumped me, guys. This never happens. I'm kidding. All right, uh, <laughs> I, I love you, Chase. Um, best original screenplay. The nominees are *Knives Out*, *Marriage Story*, 1917, *Once Upon a Time in Hollywood*, and *Parasite*. Guys, Parasite should win this. It's obvious. It's a great... Man, Joel cut out again. Uh, see, th- this is... Uh, I don't... Uh, is it like at and I don't even know what we have. 
But you know what? It's terrible. It's terrible stuff. Um, we'll wait until he comes back. Um, but yes, original screenplay. I think the biggest surprise was uh, Ryan Johnson for Knives Out. It's like a it's like a big middle finger to all the last Jedi haters that like sent him death threats. These growing people sending death threats to people. I just it's crazy. It's it's like a nice like little redemption story. It's like, hey, you know, uh, I made the last Jedi, made all this money, but man, there's a bunch of people that hate it and everything. And now he's got an Oscar nomination for the literal next film film that he did after the last Jedi. So that's a great one. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and uh, give Joel a call back. The internet, the internet is just buck wild today. It is crazy. Hello. All right, okay. you are back. <laughs> Ah, internet problems, guys. Yep. So annoying. No, I was just, uh, I'll, I'll let you go ahead, but all I was just telling them was, uh, I was so glad that Ryan Johnson had a, a big old middle finger to like give all the people right. that have sent him death threats for the past two years. Right. It's amazing. And I think that, um, uh, so yeah, Knives Out, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite nominees. I don't know if people heard that. I think the Parasite needs to win. It's a great bit of shifting priorities and tones. I love it. Uh, I think that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is going to win, personally. I think that they have a real fondness for Tarantino, and he hasn't won in a while, and they're going to give it to him because he's reflecting on Hollywood, and and it's great. With the possible spoiler of Marriage Story, uh, that's the one that I think could come in and take it. I know that that seems stronger earlier in the, in the, uh, the season, but... Um, but yeah, I think that's what's going to take it. So, personally, what do I think should have been here? The souvenir. Uh, that's that's me personally. But uh, but yeah. All right. Uh, and you? Do you think it's going to be Once Upon a Time? I don't think so. Uh, just because marriage story. Yeah, because I, I think QT has won a lot of the you know the writing ones, and so I think they're just like you know what? Yeah, we love QT, but let's go and give it to Marriage Story. But I think Parasite is our. Uh, not far behind it, but I think mm. in my my view, uh, QT's the the dark horse. He's the third one in line. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, we can both agree that uh, Knives Out in 1917, they're lucky to be here. Yes, uh, <laughs> they're lucky to be nominated. They also should have nominated the Farewell, uh, which right. is you know had a big chance, but nope. Okay, um, Best Actor. The nominees were Antonio Banderas, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Adam Driver. Joaquin Phoenix and Jonathan Price. Price was the surprise here. Um, I think that um, uh, Adam Driver is the one who should win this. I'm I'm causing controversy by saying not Joaquin Phoenix, but I think that Joaquin Phoenix is as good as he is in the movie. Probably my fourth favorite of this category. Um, and hmm, yeah, that's about where I have him. Because I think Price is great uh, in The Two Popes. He and Hopkins are both really good, but he's particularly great. I think that it's going to be Phoenix. I think that this is his to lose, but I think Adam Driver should win. Uh, it's the most heartfelt. It's you know not for just for the being alive moment, but for everything else too. It's a real like it's an emotionally pre- precise performance, and I think that that's what should win. Um, are you with me on this? Or are you going to vote for who you think should win to be? Is it is it Driver? No, no, I, you, you, you and I are on the same page, oh, okay. uh, and it, it just disturbs me because this happened with Leo with the Revenant. Yeah, Leo was great in the Revenant, but he's getting an award 
for all the other movies that he probably should have won for. Joaquin's mm. the same example. It's like this guy should have won the Oscar literally six years ago for the master. Um, but yeah. here we are. He's going to get it with, just... for this one. And it's going to be like, uh, Hey, we're sorry about all the other ones type of deal. And it's like, ugh, I don't, I don't know. I just joke Joker. I like it more than you. I just, why this many nominations? Right. Right. Okay. So best actress, um, the nominees were Cynthia Erivo for Harriet. Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan for Little Women, Charlize Theron for Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger for Judy. It's going to be Renee, obviously. It's the one that everybody leaves behind, obviously. Now, uh, now, I will say, if somehow Scarlett doesn't win Supporting Actress, man, we could be looking at her upsetting in this category, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think behave, it's going to be... We we did the same thing last year. That's true. Where That's true. we're like Glenn Close, Glenn Close, Glenn Close, and then Olivia Coleman. Shock. Coleman, yeah. So it's possible. Now I should I should also say I haven't seen Harriet or Bombshells, so I don't know how good Arivo and Theron are, but they Theron don't really is fantastic have, in that movie. Yeah, I've, I've I've heard that Ronan's great too uh, in Little Women, but it's going to be between these two, if anything, and uh, probably going to be Zellweger. So I think it should be Johansson. She's great of the three that I saw. Um, all right, so best directing, we got Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, Todd Phillips for Joker, Sam Mendes for 1917, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Now, uh, I'm just going to quote Issa Rae, congratulations to all these men. Uh, <laughs> the fact that they could not nominate Lulu Wong or uh, you know, Mariel Heller or Greta Gerwig is insanity to me. Uh, in favor of Todd Phillips, like just I don't I don't understand it. Obviously, Bong Joon Ho needs to win this because it's the most impressive directorial feat of the year, um, tonally, and that's most important here. But Sam Mendes could come in and take it. I think it's going to be Bong. I think it's going to be Bong, even if his movie doesn't win Best Picture, and we'll get to that in a second. It's going to be Bong and director. But Sam Mendes could come in and sneak. And sneak in there and take it. He's been winning some awards. He won the Glo- he won the Globe, which it doesn't mean a whole lot, but it does mean things in terms of the winners. Sometimes it happens, but yeah, uh, I think it's going to be Bong. Do you think it's going to be Bong? Yeah, I mean we're at the interesting crossroads where if Bong wins this, it's probably not going to win Best Picture. But okay. if Mendez wins this, because of all the you know he he's been getting for his movie, I mean. I'm telling you, we're we're looking at history, and mm. as as soon as they announce Mendez as director, I'm going to be grabbing on to the armrest of my chair, <laughs> and I'm gonna be like, "Is this about to happen? They're going to give a South Korean the, film Best Picture? Like this is this is history, folks." Or to the arm of your fiance, and and she will be in my prayers. <laughs> just kidding, <laughs> right, but, just, uh... the arm just pops off. You're like, oh my god. <laughs> There we go. All right. Uh, Yeah, so we've reached Best Picture. The nominees are Ford v. Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Um, I think – okay. I think it will be Parasite. I think it will be Parasite. So here's why. Um, I don't think it's going to be 1917 or Once Upon a Time because they don't have Best Editing nominations. I don't think it's going to be Little Women uh, because <laughs> no editing nomination, no directing nomination. Clearly just nobody behind that one. 
Uh, Marriage Story, same thing with editing. Probably doesn't have a shot. Um, so I feel like, uh, let's see. So yeah, those didn't have their directors nominated or editing. Uh, here's the thing though. I think that there would have been a different top five in best picture than in best director. Like, I don't think that the movies that got their nom, their directors nominated would have been in a top five field. For best picture, I think that 1917 and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This is why I don't think Mendez is winning. By the way, I think 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, 1917 and Joker would have been knocked out and replaced with Jojo Rabbit and Marriage Story. Like if we if we'd have been talking about that, because I think that Marriage Story is more popular than people realize, even though it didn't have those other two nominations. It's popular among actors uh, in particular. And, I th- and remember that all of these ca- uh, uh, committees and all of that vote for Best Picture, so that's a lot of actors. So it's a little more popular than people realize. And I think that 1917, you know, missed uh, Best Editing. It's just it's just difficult to know. So, all right, this is where I'm thinking it goes. Jojo Rabbit is the runner-up to Parasite. And I think it's Jojo Rabbit because people love it. People love it. Um, now, here's here's the two things that could happen. Uh, Man, his connection went out for a third time. All right, folks, we got we to gotta wrap this up. <laughs> this is insanity. I don't know why... Uh, the internet's doing that. All right, let's try this again. Hey, how, how you guys? You guys doing good? You guys doing? You guys hanging in there? <laughs> I apologize for all this. I am excited to watch the Oscars though, because it could just be all one hundred percent unpredictable, and that is the best kind of award show. All right, it's one more time, one more time. <laughs> We're almost there too. All right, here he is. Whew! This is the, the internet okay. is not liking us tonight. <laughs> yeah, sorry guys. Okay, I'm not going to be doing an extra review. I'm so sorry, but we we do really need to wrap this up, and I don't want to <laughs> try to make it another ten minutes with with drop call. So I apologize. I'm not sure what's going on. My internet is not cutting out at all. It is really not doing anything bad right now. So I don't know whose end it's on, but my all of my bars are perfect. Everything is perfect. Uh, I've on got my, everything. It's else. the same on my end too. That's what's yeah, shocking is like. Nothing happens. You just immediately just go out. Yeah, and that's it. So I don't know what's going on. We really need to invest the the like funds to try to get like a a studio going on, but it's just not it's just not happening um, right now. I I don't know when that'll happen, but at some point we're gonna have to do some other setup. But we're stuck with this right now. So thank you all for your patience. I'm sorry if this tests it a little bit. Um, yeah. We just we just 
got to live in a place with better internet. <laughs> That's basically what it boils down to. And I apologize. Basically, just to wrap it up really fast, I think it comes down to between Parasite and Jojo Rabbit. Um, and there could be a, something that happened sort of like last year where we had the, you know, the possibility of Roma taking best director in picture. But then the big foreign director wins and the big kind of divisive um, critical darling that the Academy loves, maybe not a lot, of, a lot of other people love, takes it and Jojo Rabbit comes in and kind of surprises everybody. Even though it isn't nominated for best director, it is nominated for best film editing. And that is very important because stuff like Once Upon a Time was not. So, yeah, I just I just think it's between those two. Um so anyway, that's about it. Chase, you agree with this? I don't know what you're saying when you were trying to get me back. Uh, do you think that it's going to be Parasite or what? Yeah, I think we're on the same wavelength. It's good. Uh, it, Parasite, Jojo Rabbit, and um, maybe a 1917. Maybe it's mm. like a really, really dark horse. But other than that, yeah. I think those are the two that we're looking at. All right. Again, I apologize to folks. We're just going to cut it short here. I am so sorry. I was going to review Weathering with You, which was the new uh, Makoto Shinkai movie. From um, he's, He directed Your Name, one of Chase's favorites. I was pretty mixed on it, so you can see my review on my website, joelonfilm.com. But guys, I just don't want to go another few minutes and then be cut out again. It's just annoying. And we got to figure out some other way of doing this. But until then, we're kind of stuck with Skype and Internet and the fact that Skype is a super, super heavy, like, information-using thing when it comes to the Internet, and you can't use a whole lot of other things with it. And so it's just super, super difficult to try to record with Skype if, one, your Internet in your area is not super great, uh, which is something that we do have to – it's a very first-world problem, but it's something that we have to contend with. And uh, if you also have other devices around you, it will try to slow that down, um, and I'm not entirely sure why that is, but it's it's super annoying, and uh, yeah, it always it always makes my uh, my part of it. I'm I'm always super like nervous about whether or not I'm going to cut out because of all of this. So I apologize if you were you maybe heard that I was going to review weathering with you and got super excited, but I just I just can't do it. I just can't do it. Go on my website, see my review. I also have a review of Bad Boys for Life, obviously, and a couple of uh, VOD day-and-date day titles, uh, including uh, Disturbing the Peace, starring Guy, uh, Guy Pierce, and um, The Wave, starring Justin Long, so you can find out what I think of all of those now. And that's it. You can follow me on Twitter at RealJoelCopling. You can follow me on uh, Letterboxd if you search my name. That's my daily progress. Chase... Let's cut this. Let's 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 end this. Where, where can people find you online? <laughs> uh, no problem. Uh, so if you guys want to follow me on Twitter? It's at Real Chase Lee. Follow the podcast at Real Me and Podcast. And of course, if you're listening to this podcast on you know iTunes, Castbox, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google, uh, Podbean, uh, Deezer, it, it's all over the place. Like I've, it's it's been added to so many more uh, services now that I sometimes I forget <laughs> where it's all at, but it's everywhere. But no matter where you're listening at, if you could, you know, 
subscribe to the feed, you know, like this episode, let people be aware of the show. That would uh, be fantastic. This has been episode 310. Next week for 311, we will be going over The Gentleman, uh, the new Guy Ritchie film. Hopefully, he can redeem himself from uh, Aladdin. That would be uh, fantastic. So, uh, yeah, that will be next week. So look forward to that. And then for this episode, let's go and end it, Joel. That is Joel. I am Chase. You guys are awesome. Peace out. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.